Hello and welcome to the Double Double. My name is David Dixon and it's Saturday morning, June 12th here in New York City. Hope everyone is having a good start to their weekends. Good NBA action last night. You got one more game coming up tonight, so we're going to get into all that. Sixers taking a 2-1 lead. Suns going up three games to zero on the Nuggets. And big game tonight for Los Angeles and the Clippers. Again, seemingly this team is on the brink of a breakup. Backs against the wall. We'll see how they respond, and, and we'll get into all that. But starting off today's podcast, we're going to talk about a little bit of a, a continuation on on what we discussed yesterday with the college football playoff expansion proposal, and that's another major radical change that hopefully and seemingly will be coming to college sports this summer and in the next year or two years, which is the NIL name, image, and likeness legislation approval passage in Congress. Hopefully, you know more and more states have approved it. Hopefully more states will join them. It'll be kind of universal across the board. This is a radical game-changing shift in college sports as for seemingly for the first time, players will be able to, in in all sports, not just the biggest sports, be able to earn money while in college based on their name, image, and likeness the way that a professional athlete can by having advertisers, sponsorships, and it's a really, really exciting development, and it's something that it will, and I don't think it's being mentioned enough, it will not just impact the Zion Williamson's when he was at Duke or the Trevor Lawrence's, Justin Fields in colleges, but that this has a chance to radically improve the lives of major Division I athletes across the country in every sport, male and female. And what I don't think is being talked about enough is with these changes and just the nature of advertising today with these college kids that it's not like a professional athlete where they're going to, the guy has to fly out to Los Angeles or fly to New York so he or she can do a one day marketing shoot for a video game or for Nike for new shoes or for some type of apparel line, or whatever it may be, headphones. It's doesn't have. It's not like that anymore. The sponsored posts on one Instagram, two with the rise of TikTok, and three with YouTube for the certain athletes who do vlog. It is a serious, serious, serious amount of money for really not that many followers. It can. It, once you see it, it's really, really shocking. So CNBC reports you need a minimum of 5,000 Instagram followers and 308 sponsored posts a year to generate $100,000 in, in earnings for the year. Now, obviously, 308 sponsored posts a year is a lot. Let's just say a normal college student with sports and classes and just social life in general does half of that. So they make $50,000 a year or 40 or 60 or whatever it ends up being that is a that can be a game changing amount of money for these kids and for these athletes over the course of 4 years that could be a couple hundred thousand dollars where they can put it away and save it for when they're done cover medical expenses go to family situations depending on on how these kids grew up and how much money that their families have this can be 
a serious, serious, serious amount of money for so many athletes pretty easily too. Because one, all that you need to do to do a sponsored post while you're in college is just a phone and the product itself. So for instance, if you are a wrestler and there's a couple wrestlers because it's, 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 it's a niche sport, a niche brand who have big followings, the best wrestlers, and then even some other wrestlers uh, who aren't you know winning national championships but in that contention have more than 5,000 followers, 10,000 followers, you can send them to their dorm room, to their campus, you know, like a protein uh, shake or a bottle of, of some type like the mixer. And then he posts on Instagram, whatever the company name is, this is what I use for recovery or whatever, boom, post it out, that's $1,000, that's $2,000 for however many followers it is. And it is incredibly simple, it can be incredibly effective. All these brands now can come out and try to go after all these athletes for these different niche appeals because if you're trying to sell something in the sports realm, do you really care if your protein shaker or some type of dumbbell or whatever it may be, recovery shirt, sleeve, what whatever it is, do you really care if it's going out to the 10,000 people who are really interested in a certain wrestler and their activity or the 10,000 people who are going who are following a soccer player because so much of sports and the recovery and, and things like that can be universal across whatever sport it is, male, female, uh, indoor, outdoor, whatever it is. And the amount of money that certain athletes can make, because and it's not just the male athletes, Paige, Paige Becker's, the superstar UConn freshman either has the most or in the top five of current college athletes in terms of total followers on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And so she could probably charge tens, maybe tens of thousands of dollars, maybe even more than $50,000 per post while in college. Now for context, a yearly salary in, in the WNBA, which is where she's likely going once she's done with college at UConn, is will be less than what she could make per year in college doing sponsored Instagram posts. Now, obviously, it's up to each individual athlete to decide what they want to do and whether they really want to be brands while they're in college or if they just want to be a normal college kid. That's a complete individual decision that athletes will have to make for themselves. But this just seems so great for so many kids. And because baseball players can get products, women's soccer players, volleyball players, golfers, all these different athletes, gymnasts, obviously football, men's and women's basketball, Lacrosse is a very popular sport in certain parts of the country and with and with and with it has a very niche audience. There will be obvious and straightforward limitations as well. It seemingly should be very, very easy or simple to legislate and govern by the NCAA rather than what it is today with all the ways that most athletes at the biggest sports are receiving payments for things, which is there will just be things that you can and can't endorse and can't sponsor. And there will be things that the NCAA says that you can't do. So if, so if, for instance, the NCAA doesn't allow sports gambling 
for any of their athletes. Makes sense. You don't want them to throw games. So if so-and-so Instagrams out an ad saying go to whatever gambling website and bet on whatever, they'll be, okay, you can't do that. That's a that's a violation of the NIL rules. But whatever else it is, if you want to, you know, do socks or a t-shirt or some type of teeth whitener or lotion, like whatever company it is, it will be very obvious. Say, yeah, you can do all that. As long as, you know, if you're a Nike school, you can't really endorse Adidas products. That makes a lot of sense as well. But then it just is seemingly so straightforward, so easy. And I think that the most logical step as well is the way that every, a lot of college have mandatory freshman classes, whether it's you have to take a psychology class, you have to take a science class, math class, whatever it is. If you're a division one student athlete, I think that every kid should be forced and make it mandatory to take one of these marketing classes, branding type classes so that they can become aware of really all of their opportunities because it's so vast and so nuanced. Maybe one one kid says, hey, I don't really want to do a vlog. That's just not who I am, but I'll but I love playing video games. So I'll do. I'll try to build a brand on Twitch while, while, while me playing video games with my friends. And maybe one athlete says, hey, I, I like vlogging. I think that's a great idea, and, and I'll do that, and I'll be able to, to, to make some money. I think doing that type of stuff and having these kind of mandatory, or not necessarily mandatory, but required uh, personal branding marketing classes that's just a part of the student-athlete experience, I think one a lot of student athletes and a lot of athletes at these schools will like those classes because it will be helping them make money. So when you have these one and done college basketball players or football players who say, why am I really in college? I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to be leaving in six or eight months, whatever it may be. You go to this class, it's teaching you how to make money and how to leverage your following because of your skill set to make the most money possible because you never know what is going to happen once you graduate because that first contract, you may get hurt your first day of practice. You may not get drafted. But to have that type of opportunity to maximize your earnings while in college through these branding classes and marketing classes at so many of these schools that they already really ought that you know, a lot of schools have marketing majors. It's just another class for student athletes or other kids on campus could take that class if they have large social media followings. I think it's a really interesting and a really exciting step going forward with this NIL stuff. And it should be a radical, radical game changer for both men's and women's sports and a lot of the sports that don't get the type of coverage that they should, but are extremely popular with people who are fans of it. Like the Women's College Softball World Series is going on. It's on primetime or it's on ESPN. It's a great event when you watch. It's super, super exciting. Do those are those softball players household names at Oklahoma or Florida State in North Dakota? The way Trevor Lawrence may be, probably not. But if you're a softball fan and you're watching and you're enjoying it, and a couple of those players have fifteen thousand, twenty-five thousand Instagram followers, and they know, hey, we're going to be on ESPN and doing this, they should be able to leverage their brand and they're following while they have the best opportunity to do so. And hopefully the bureaucracy of Congress 
and just legislation in general doesn't hold this back and because it seemingly is so straightforward that there should just be normal, easy ways to legislate this this topic, this issue that you could put normal requirements on it about what you can and can't endorse but make it really easy like you just can't do gambling, you can't promote the things the NCA like you can't do certain drugs or alcohol if you're under 21 or drugs if they're banned by the NCAA. Like those types of things will make it I think just a game changer for so many sports and once people really see just how great it is and how much the athletes really like it and how much they can earn while in college, you know, maybe someone may stay an extra year. I don't think it's likely because of just the the paydays, but you never know. You never know what, what these things except that the name, image, and likeness legislation is, 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 is going to happen, and I think it will be a major net positive and a benefit for college sports as a whole. Last night, we had two NBA games. First one, Sixers-Hawks. The Sixers won. They take a two-game to one lead over the Atlanta Hawks. And I talked before the game yesterday about Philly just has this ultimate trump card in Joel Embiid. And it's true. (laughs) He is an unstoppable force for this Philadelphia 76ers offense. He took 14 shots from the field and took 16 free throws last night. In every game of this series, he's taken more than 14 or 15 free throws. It is, he is just, you have to double team him. And yet he's getting better as a passer. The Sixers have finally put just enough shooting around him with Seth Curry, Tobias Harris, Shake Milton can hit a catch and shoot shot, Furkan Korkmaz, George Hill. They have just enough shooting around. And Ben Simmons now has learned and has developed that, hey, if I'm if Joel is getting double teamed, I'm just not just going to space be ready for a catch shoot, but I'm going to cut and dive to the basket and force more rotations by the opposing team defense and make it harder for them to guard. Just guys watching and standing still. Joel Embiid is like this. If he's healthy, which he seemingly is because he's playing really, really well and moving well and dunking hard and and all this stuff, the, the Hawks just don't have a chance in this series. Now, does that mean that the Hawks' season was a failure and that, oh, the, you know, they were a bust? No, no, no. The Hawks had a great season. The Hawks made the second round of the playoffs. From their initial preseason expectations to where they, they ended up, this was a very, very positive step forward for their team, for Trey Young. It was a great year for Atlanta. And they still may and can come back and win this series with the way that they can shoot the three ball and the talent that they have on this team. But the as much as we talk about Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons's free throws, the 76ers defense is really good. Really good. Now Danny Green got hurt last night. He hurt his calf. He's getting an MRI this this weekend to be seen and to be determined and announced how long he will be out with that calf injury. But just talking about just the way that they've been able to start and kind of their best defensive lineups, Joel Embiid, one, is just a terrific rim protector. So when you start in the middle and and work your way out, Embiid is a great defensive rebounder, 
and a great rim protector shot blocker and uh, deters a lot of shots as well, even if he doesn't block them. Then on the wings, it starts with Ben Simmons, perhaps the best perimeter defender in the entire NBA and most likely the best left in the Eastern Conference on the perimeter. He's like he's huge. He's 6'10", long arms, can really move. He's guarding Trey Young and doing a really good job in a tough matchup because Trey Young is really, really good. So it starts with him. And then on the wings, you have Tobias Harris, 6'8", 6'9", long arms. Danny Green, 6'7", 6'8", long arms. They get away with having Seth Curry play 31 minutes because, one, he's a terrific shooter, and he's a good positional defender. If they play Brooklyn in in the next round, if he gets switched onto Kyrie Irving and has to guard him one-on-one, that's a tough matchup. But... He can he can he can do enough on defense where it's not an abject disaster where he becomes seemingly unplayable. No, Seth Curry can can hold his own on defense. And the same thing, Corkmarks is big, long arms. Tybel's another terrific perimeter defender who, if and when they play Brooklyn in in the next round, he'll he'll be playing more. Then when you take Embiid out, you bring in Dwight Howard, who may have the broadest shoulders and in the entire NBA, so strong, can still really, really jump. He is not the same type of shot blocker he was during his absolute peak prime in Orlando, but he can rebound. He can be super physical. He's huge. He's got long arms. This is just a really, really good defensive team that it really showed last night because Atlanta was struggling to score, even though they scored 111 points. When Philly turned it on in the second and the third quarter, in particularly coming out of halftime, they held them to 19 points, got a bunch of steals, blocking shots, making it really, really tough for Atlanta. This Their defense is a huge strength for them and is one of the big reasons why I think they have a real chance to contend and really challenge whoever wins the Brooklyn-Milwaukee series. And we'll, we'll just say it's Brooklyn because they're up two to one right now, but that doesn't mean that they're going to win the series. They have pieces who can challenge Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and James Harden if, if he comes back. So that's something really, really interesting going forward is just their defense going forward. And, and just the last thing I'll say about this game in particular is you have Joel Embiid coming off these injuries and they were up big in the fourth quarter. And I get it. You, you want, you don't want to let the other team get back in it with the three point shot and the way that they can shoot and everything like that. But MB took two or three really, really hard falls in the fourth quarter. And I get it. You can't play with bubble wrap on in the playoffs and you have to play your best players and everything. But when you're up that much that late in the fourth quarter and he's just getting hacked and tripped and, you know, knocked down and falling down. And if Embiid gets hurt again, your season is over. Like you don't have it, you know, you may win this series, but you most likely won't advance to the NBA finals. You, I thought it was a little strange by Rivers when the game seemingly was, was out of hand of not pulling his starters out and just taking the win and moving on to game four and I get it you you want you don't want you're you never wanted to give in too early and let the other team get come back and gain momentum but after the second big fall Embiid took where it seemed like he may have gotten injured I don't know with that with that lead I don't know if it was the right thing to keep him in in the game other game last night Suns Nuggets 
Suns win. They go up three games to zero. What the Suns have proved to me throughout these playoffs, and now I'll be the first one to admit, I didn't watch probably enough Phoenix Suns basketball in the regular season for a couple reasons. One, I live on the East Coast. They're in Phoenix. Games are super late. How many times can I watch a 10.30 p.m. East Coast start the whole way? And two, it's just when you have 30 teams in the NBA, it's hard to watch every single game of every single team. But just knowing their roster and the enough times I, I've, I, I saw them play, I thought they were very good. But I thought that they were going to lose to the Lakers with Anthony Davis and LeBron James being back. They obviously win that series, played great, and really did win that series. Now, obviously, Davis gets hurt. If he's healthy, who knows what that series turns into. But they they won that series. Chris Paul is getting healthier and healthier. But what has impressed me the most about this Phoenix team is now that I'm starting to watch them more and watch them more is they're a legit title contender because they play team basketball. They pass. They don't just take a lot of isolation shots. They have elite shooting and role players around their two superstars. And their two superstars can both get one-on-one scoring and create their own shots on the wing, which is when it gets into crunch time and gets into these key possessions, you just see it. It's it's you a lot of times it's we're gonna give the ball to our best guy or someone on the wing and they're gonna create a shot for either for themselves or to get a good look for someone else. And Devin Booker has impressed me in so many ways this this season and and these playoffs. He he can do that. He he can go get a good shot for himself, seemingly at any part part of the game. Chris Paul, the point god, can do that as well. Mid range jumpers, creating threes for himself, driving and kicking, getting to the free throw line, and they both shoot very high percentages from the free throw line. This is a legit legit title contender team. Now, probably because I said that, they'll lose game four and maybe we'll lose in the next round. But this is a this team has a chance, a real chance to win the championship. Now, they're not super deep. They're not super deep. They really go seven, eight deep. Is Will that be a factor going forward? Maybe. Chris Paul, obviously, it seems like he's cursed, right? It seems like for every round that, they, that he advances or keeps going forward that He's cursed, and some you know the the basketball gods just say not today, Chris, not this year. But you can't, assuming that he's not cursed and that he will be healthy and be able to play forward, will they reach a series where having Torrey Craig be their eighth guy off the bench is a big factor? Having Dario Sarge, their ninth guy, be a factor compared to the Utah Jazz or the Los Angeles Clippers? To be seen, but I think that their top seven is so good, and they're good defensive, defensively with Bridges on on the wing. He's a great perimeter defender. Chris Paul's good, Aiton protecting the paint. Crowder's big and physical. Johnson is big. They have a legit chance to win the championship. The Nuggets, look, we all knew coming into the playoffs with no Jamal Murray, that they were not going to win the championship, and that was going to be extremely hard for them as they kept advancing. And that's what this series has proved. This series has proved that Jokic is incredible. He is a superstar, a worthy MVP, and the and the, and the correct MVP choice, in my opinion, from this past season. 
He played another great game last night. He had 32 points, 20 rebounds, 10 assists. But when you get into the second or third round of the playoffs, it's really, really hard to win those series. When As great as Jokic is, it's really hard to win when you only have one star player. And they really miss Jamal Murray. So their offseason plan now that they're down 3-0 is get healthy and try to get a little more defensive help on the wings. Because Michael Porter Jr. is a tremendous offensive player. He's getting better each and every year. Still not great defensively. Aaron Gordon is good defensively, but not good offensively in their system. Not a great shooter. So if they can find some, some more defensive help on the wings, especially off the bench, that could be a huge key for this team going forward. But... I'm looking forward to the next round. Phoenix has all but booked their tickets to the Western Conference Finals. Pretty amazing. Last year, they were a team where we were wondering why they were sent to the bubble. Go 8-0. Build on, build on that momentum. Trade for Chris Paul. Get the second seed and now Western Conference Finals. Just a great, great basketball team and a great story and a great team building uh, example. Game tonight, Clippers-Jazz, 8.30 Eastern Time. ABC, I'm pretty sure. Maybe it's it's ESPN. One of those two. Jazz up 2-0. Clippers backs against the wall once again. Down 2-0 to Dallas in the last round. Now they're down 2-0 again to the Jazz. The Jazz are better than Dallas. Yeah, obviously. They're the one seed. No Mike Conley still for, for Utah. That, that could be an issue going forward. But the Clippers went big in game two. They started big. They started Zubach to battle Gobert. Will that continue? Because they turned the tide of the of the Dallas series by going and staying small. To be seen if, if that continues, if what, what Ty Lue does. Because one, Ty Lue, he's just, he frustrates me because it doesn't seem like he is a good coach in certain moments when you watch him in the regular season. But, but he knows the playoffs. He knows that his job is judged by the playoffs. And... He did a great job in the Dallas series. He did a great job. He went to certain guys, pushed all the right buttons, and it worked. And we'll see what what he has up his sleeve for Game 3 and Game 4 back at the Staples Center. Because they need to figure out, first and foremost, who does Kawhi Leonard guard? Does he guard Donovan Mitchell the way that he did for Luka Doncic? Because Mitchell is killing them. Just killing them. And look, give Donovan Mitchell a lot of credit. He is a fantastic basketball player. Fantastic. When he has the ball in his hands, he can create shots for himself. From three coming off ball screens, driving to the hoop. He's a good finisher around the rim. Very good free throw shooter. He's a really, really hard matchup. But that's why you have guys like Kawhi Leonard. You get Kawhi Leonard to guard the best wings that the other team has. And I get it. Okay, let's play a seven-game series. You need Kawhi to score 30-plus points seemingly for you guys to, to win and, and, and advance and, and beat Utah. But maybe you don't start on Mitchell, but in the second half, in the in the third and fourth quarter, look to see who Kawhi Leonard's guarding, especially, and see if he's fully on Mitchell. And Because that's what that, that is the clearest adjustment that, that the Clippers can make from games two to game three. And... Can guys on the Clippers step up? Who who will step up at home and shoot really well? Will it be Terrence Mann having a, another good shooting game at the Staples Center? Will it be Reggie Jackson making six threes? Will Marcus Morris have have one of those games where he makes five to, to seven three-pointers? Luke Kennard is, is getting more, more playing time. 
Role players always seemingly always play better at home. We'll see who can really step up for the Clippers. I think the Clippers win tonight. Backs against the wall. Kawhi Leonard will come out with a vengeance, with with determination. And I think that the Clippers win tonight. But it's another game where, okay, if the Clippers lose, and they know this because everyone talks about it, and they have to know it too because their best player has a player option this summer where he can decline, and he has proved that he will walk, and he will leave places no matter how no matter if they won a championship or not. This is a back against the wall. Obviously, it's a must win, but truly, like, it's not just, oh, if we lose this game, we're most likely our season's over. No, it's like, if we lose this game, this team is breaking up, and we may not be back in the playoffs next year, depending on how the summer shakes out. So I'm excited for it. It should be a good game. Two good coaches. Two very, very good teams, superstars all over the place. Should be really exciting. So that'll do it for this episode of The Double Double. If you like this podcast, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast, where you can subscribe, rate, and review. Five stars would be much, much appreciated. You also follow us on Twitter at DBL underscore DBL podcast. We'll be back hopefully tomorrow. Take care and make it a great day.